I will guarantee you that you are doing this every day. And the chances are your clients and almost certainly any of your prospects are doing exactly the same thing. People trust Google. We use Google because we trust Google. So that Google business card is the stamp of approval, the stamp of credibility by Google. And you really need to look after it. But perhaps what you don't know is there's another element to the whole Google search that you may be completely unaware of. The knowledge panel, I keep forgetting that people don't know what one is. And it's the thing on the right hand side of the search results on desktop when you search on Google. We, we call that the right rail. The left rail is basically Google's recommendations. That's the blue links in the videos that you see. The left rail is recommendation. The right rail is fact. So when Google shows a knowledge panel, it means it thinks it has understood facts about you or your business that it is willing to push out there. That's my guest this week, Jason Barnard. Jason is an expert in not just Google SEO, but SERP, which is the search engine results page. And in our conversation, Jason provides a wealth of information, insights, and actions that you can take to increase the likelihood that people are going to find not just you on Google, but the right information about you on Google. And in fact, we have so much information from Jason that we split this up into two episodes. And the part two will be coming in a few weeks, which will be episode 86. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. If you're looking for the REI branded podcast, you are actually in the right place. We recently renamed it, but the content is the same, helping you to build your brand and business, reach more people and stand out from the competition. My name is Paul Kopkin and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose to you. For the audience, predominantly real estate, real estate investors. Now so we they, have started. Right. Well, I guess. I <laughs> <laughs> do you know what sometimes I find, you know, you end up meeting a guest and you almost feel like you know them. Yeah. Or you, there's enough there, commonality, interest, that you think it, it, it becomes a conversation. It's not a stop start interview it's it's more of a conversation because there's Brilliant. so many fascinating points yeah uh, oh, let's go let's go down the rabbit hole then i mean you were saying real estate agents which is your core audience or, yeah? uh, investors real estate investors so it's a little bit different their focus is still consumer because a lot of real estate investors struggle with if they're going to grow their portfolio beyond half a dozen houses how do they find the money to do that because the banks won't lend to them beyond half a dozen houses typically oh, right. because they've maxed out their mortgages or their a, they've maxed out the A lenders. So then they go for B lenders, which are maybe the credit unions uh, or okay. quite often private money. So then they're trying to attract Mr. and Mrs. Joe Blow, who both work in a nice corporate environment, or maybe one works mm. for the, one's a teacher, one works for corporate. They've got two great pensions and they're not maxing out the pension as as well as they could, and part of their, their in their mind is maybe real estate, but they don't want to deal with the toilets 
tenants and trash. So real estate. Is that the three T's of real estate? <laughs> three T's of real estate. <laughs> so a, a real estate investor would go, okay, I can find the property for you. We'll renovate it. We'll find the tenants. We'll manage it. And for 50% of the upside, I'll take 50%. You take 50%. Is, but it, the, is it more a market where the investors are looking for the people or the people are looking for the investors to, to deal with this? The investors are looking for the people typically. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a whole trust thing, no like trust that you've got to build. So yeah, that's where investors are focused. If they're trying to scale up beyond, you can build a really great retirement portfolio with three or four houses. That's easy enough to do. If if you hold on to them for the long term, find good tenants. That's a model for a, a nice portfolio and a nice retirement. There's people that really want to scale it up and go to 20, 30, 40, 50 properties. Right. Or, or they want to get invested in different areas. So, for example, at the moment here in Canada, our property market has really peaked a little bit too much and it's starting to fall back down. Yeah. But they could take a real estate investor here in Ontario where they've got limits on what they can raise the rents by each year and they can't get a tenant out. They can't evict a tenant for 10 or 11 months, even if they don't pay rent. It's a bit of a nightmare. So a a number of investors are pulling their money out and going south of the border and buying houses in Detroit or Ohio for half the cost and less of the hassle. Okay. Are you not currently saying things to your audience that they already know? Some of that, yeah. Some right. of that, yeah. So that's okay. that's what, in their mind, yes, they would know that's a good question. So what we need to do is move this conversation towards what where Google can come in and where they can Perfect. work with Google to help them, yeah? Yeah. Maybe a big general question from 10,000 feet is, how does Google work? Let's help, <laughs> let's help the audience understand. I realize that that's a loaded question but (laughs) it's actually a really simple question to answer and it's taken me years and years to actually boil it all down but basically google's role is to solve people's problems every time you search on google you're expressing a problem which could also be a question and you're looking for the solution to the problem or the answer to the question so let's just talk about problems and solutions and what google aims to do is say every time its user searches for something it needs to understand what the intent is, what is the problem they're trying to express. Mm-hmm. And then it wants to take them to the solution to that problem as efficiently as possible. And the idea is to use content from around the web to provide the solution. And it wants to provide the solution that will be the most efficient and credible for the user on Google. And from our perspective as marketers or real estate investors, is we want to be present on Google's first page, preferably right at the top, when we have the appropriate solution for the problem Google's user is expressing. So we need to look at Google and say, our audience is a very specific subset of Google's users, and we need to make sure we educate Google so it understands when I will be that efficient, credible solution for its user. And you're looking for an organic result versus the paid because yeah. that's what that's obviously where google makes its money is the paid piece but 
what you're yeah. ideally looking for is you come up in the top 10. Yeah, that, that's what search engine optimization experts do is they say, I will get you into the top 10 with, without having to pay. It's called organic. And then there's also Google ads, obviously, as you say, where you can pay to be at the top. And if you use Google a lot, you'll have seen that some searches will generate loads of ads and some generate none. Mm -hmm. And the percentage of searches that have ads is depending on your geo region, depending on the industry and depending on the keyword type, between 4 and 12% will have an ad on it. It's much lower than we think. Wow, that is, that's incredibly low. That, yep. that would never have occurred to me. <laughs> A lot of the stuff we're doing is just hanging around looking at stuff and wandering around the web pretty aimlessly. And there's an awful lot of top-of-funnel information searches going on where people won't advertise, or Google doesn't want adverts. Sometimes you can bid uh, on Google Ads, and the ads simply won't appear, even though there are no ads. And the reason for that is Google Ads functions like Google Organic Search, in that if it doesn't feel that the solution being offered through the ad is credible and efficient, it won't show the ad. The bar is obviously much, much lower there because they want to make money. But the idea of ads being the thing you pay, and if you're willing to pay enough, Google will put you on there. That's not true. Google will mm. not put you on the search engine results page if it doesn't feel that what you're offering makes sense to its user in terms of solving the problem they have. So Google is, to a degree, worried about its credibility. Yes, 100%. Google's credibility and the fact that it now dominates 90% of the market is simply because it has those amazing organic results. We all know when we click on a paid result, or most of us know when we click on a paid result, and it has to be sure that when we do that, we are satisfied in the same way we would have been satisfied if we clicked on an organic result. Explain brand SERP, and that's S-E-R-P for people that are trying to guess what, yeah, and what does that acronym mean? And then tell us a little bit about what that yeah, SERP is search engine results page. So it would apply to Microsoft Bing. It would apply to DuckDuckGo. It would apply to Google. I focus on Google because obviously it's the kind of biggest player on the market. And basically, if you can do a good job on Google, you will tend to do a decent job on the other search engines too. Mm -hmm. And a brand SERP is the search engine results page for your brand name or your personal name. So it's what your audience sees when they Google your name. Okay. And from I was talking to somebody who worked in the startup space, and they were saying, but we don't care about that. There's only five people a month searching our name. And I said, but what if one of those five people is the investor about to give you a million bucks? And what they see is absolute rubbish. That's your Google business card. Whether it's 30,000 people, 3 million people, or five people, that Google business card needs to be positive, accurate, and convincing. Make needs to make you look credible. And in your particular case, I would imagine if you've reached out to the old retired couple, they will Google your name to find out more about you. And if when they Google your name, it's got lots of, it's got video, it's got images, it's got a knowledge panel, it's got yellow stars, five yellow stars everywhere, you're going to look credible. And people trust Google. We use Google because we trust Google. So that Google business card is the stamp of approval, the stamp of credibility by Google. And you really need to look after it. And you say that in on your website, and you've, I've seen it around where you're explaining things, 
Google is the new business card. Yeah. Because I mean, it, our, our default is to, yeah. oh, I'll just Google them. Yeah, 100%. You could take it a step further and say Google is your homepage because it's the first thing they see before they come to the website. Mm-hmm. And in the future, Google's going to be your website. We're moving towards a world where if you're in America, you'll see little filter pills at the top. And if you search my name in America and probably in Canada as well, you will see overview, videos, education, listen, films, TV shows, music groups. And if you click on them, it gives you a different set of results each time. And if you think about it, those filter pills across the top are just a navigational tool and it looks like a website. It's my mini Google website. And that's where we're going. We're not there yet. I wouldn't freak out just yet, but we're definitely on our way. And so you mentioned the knowledge panel. So tell us a little bit about what that is and how it's formulated. And then what, and then maybe a follow-up question would be, what can we do to make sure that that knowledge panel is containing what we want to be known for or found for? Right. Yeah, the knowledge panel, a lovely question, because I keep forgetting that people don't know what one is. And it's the thing on the right-hand side of the search results on desktop when you search on Google. We, We call that the right rail. The left rail is basically Google's recommendations. That's the blue links and the videos that you see. The left rail is recommendation. The right rail is fact. So when Google shows a knowledge panel, it means it thinks it has understood facts about you or your business that it is willing to push out there. And if you imagine a child, I treat Google like a child. I'm educating it. When I've educated that child correctly and that child is confident in the information I've given it, it will be equivalent of go down to the playground and shout it out to all its friends. That's mm-hmm. the knowledge panel. It's Google shouting out, I know this, look at this. I know all this information about this person or this company. And if it doesn't understand or it isn't sure, it certainly isn't going to shout it out in the playground. It's going to keep quiet. <laughs> so you need to build up Google, the child's understanding and its confidence in that understanding in order for it to show the facts in that right rail on the search results. And the idea for Google is that knowledge panel is a summary of you as a business or you as a person, depending on if it's a brand name or a personal name, that it can provide to its users so that they don't need to research you. Google just gives them the basic facts that are going to interest them in the knowledge panel. So obviously, it's not an enormous leap of the imagination to think that is phenomenally important. And the kind of things that would turn up would be, is it things like reliable source? It Reliable, we'll put that in quote marks. Uh, Which if this reliable. is an audio podcast, people can't see you. <laughs> right. doing the- Air quotes. So, things like Wikipedia, IMDB, yep. would that be the kind of thing? Or Yeah, there's a common misconception that Wikipedia is the source of knowledge for Google. And it was, but it isn't anymore in the sense that Google used Wikipedia to train its machine. It Mm. said, here is a mass of information to the child that you can, for the most part, believe. And the child went, okay, great. Digested it all, and it started showing it in knowledge panels. And then now Google's engineers have said to it, right, now let's give you a seed set of other information you can use. So they gave it more sites, and now they've just let it go. (laughs) They said, (laughs) off you go. You now have understood what a fact looks like. So you can now evaluate what a fact is and decide whether or not something is true. 
build your confidence in that understanding and then show it in the knowledge panel. And you'll find that the information in the knowledge panels is now down to about 50% maybe from Wikipedia. And so what other resources or websites is Google typically going to? Wikipedia is still number one. If you're in the film industry, IMDb, but IMDb wouldn't help you in real estate investment. Music Brains, for a musician, if you're a punk like me, uh, Music Brains is great. Muckrack, if you're an author. Google Books, if you're an author too. So as you can see, it depends on what kind of job you're doing, what kind of industry you're in. And with the CaliQ Pro SaaS platform, which is basically a platform that's built to educate Google. I've built this entire platform with my own two little hands that figures out where Google is looking for information, which sources it trusts for each industry in each country for each entity type. And an entity is a thing. So person, company, music group, film. And it's surprising. We were talking earlier on about social media platforms, which social media platforms dominate in which countries, in which industries, for which entity types. It varies enormously. LinkedIn will dominate for companies. Twitter will dominate for people. Twitter might dominate more in the UK than it does in France, for example. And in this case, which sources of knowledge is the child trusting will vary enormously. And it's very much geo-based, very much industry-based, and changes according to entity type, person, company, music, group, film, whatever. So a real estate investor could do searches on Google for other real estate investors mm-hmm. and have a look at the knowledge panel and then say, okay, it looks like it's pulling from here. Yeah. And then what are the steps that they need to think about? How do I get into that knowledge panel? So is that about submitting articles, being a recognized expert? Yeah. The first thing that people fail to do is spring cleaning. Okay. It's really important for this child that the information it sees is consistent. If you imagine the child, I'm the parent, and I'm saying to the child, here's who I am, here's what I do, and here's who my audience is. And the child goes, okay, great, got that. That was a nice, clear explanation. Oh, and the first thing, of course, is most people explain it very unclearly. The explanation on their own website is our mission is bloody blah, and it doesn't make sense to the machine. Probably doesn't make sense to their clients either. That's a whole different story. (laughs) So you've explained it to the child in a way that it understands, and then you say, go and ask grandma. Child trusts grandma, repeats it, same way, child's a bit more confident. And then you say, go and ask the baker, if we're talking about how to bake a cake, let's say. The baker is a trustworthy source. But then if you said, go and ask the tailor how to bake a cake, the child's going to go, no, that doesn't make sense. The tailor isn't the person I should be asking for this. And then if they ask the teacher and the teacher says something completely different, obviously the confidence in the understanding goes totally out the window. So you need that consistency and you need that consistency across the sources that make sense for the child in terms of what it is it's trying to learn. Hmm. So the first thing is that spring clean of what exists online. What is your digital ecosystem? Does it make sense? And is it consistent? Hmm. Then the next step is what I call the entity home, is the place on the internet, the page on the internet where your entity lives, where you live. And it's a page. And that page is where Google is looking for that explanation from you, the parent. And once it's figured out where the entity home is, you can point it to all of the corroborative information you've actually corrected, 
And hopefully, if you're smart, you will point using a link from the corroborative information back to the entity home. So the child keeps going backwards and forwards and seeing the same information over and over again. And by repetition on trusted sources, it will end up understanding and being confident in that understanding. So that's the spring. I can see the sprinkling because it, it, as you were explaining that, I'm thinking, okay, what happens if you used to be a corporate employee, ran, ran a, I don't know, uh, a fitness gym and were a fitness trainer for three years, but now you're doing X, Google the child, as uh, to use your analogy, is confused, correct? Yes. That- now, the reason I started in this, you've asked the question that a lot of people ask me, but you've asked it in a roundabout way is that because I was a blue dog in a cartoon. Are you a real estate investor or a related business professional or owner looking to build your personal brand and business and stand out from the crowd? The first step is to understand where you stand right now. You can do that with the Business Optimizer Assessment. It's something that we've created that's already helped real estate investors and other business owners to define and develop their personal brands and grow their revenues. Take the free assessment and complimentary report and follow-up strategy call by going to paulcopcut.com forward slash B-O-A. That's paulcopcut.com forward slash B-O-A. I was a cartoon blue dog singing songs for small children on TV and on the web. And I was in it. I'm still in IMDB on all these movie databases And when you searched my name seven years ago, the top said Jason Barnard is a cartoon blue dog. And as a digital marketer, that really didn't help my career. So I set about saying, yeah, I was a cartoon blue dog. That's fine. But I want Google to show today what's important to my audience searching my name now, which is my prospective clients. So I set about relegating the blue dog to a part of the knowledge panel. And the entire rest of it is Jason Barnard, digital marketer, author, expert in brand search, knowledge panels, SEO, and Google in general. And so basically that's it, is Google's looking for you to explain. And that's the irony of it, is Google's actually looking for the entity home. It's looking for the place where you explain to it, this is what I want to show my audience. And it wants to believe you, but it won't believe you on your own good word. It needs that corroboration, and that corroboration needs to be consistent. Okay, so that explains. So when I Googled you, mm-hmm. <laughs> top of the list was jasonbarnard.com. Yep. And that page I went to is your, what was it you called it? A knowledge? Entity of, home. Entity home, an entity home. So that was your entity home. So it yeah. had all the bits, and it had the punk yeah. folk it had, yeah. but they were lower down, but the main top the- part. And that, yeah, and that's a really important point. It seems really obvious when somebody says it to you, but most people start with, I was born in 1966 in Denton in North Yorkshire and hung out with cows and sheep, which was the initial conversation about being a punk in the countryside. But my audience today don't care about that. Google doesn't care about that. It cares about what I'm doing today, and that should be at the top. So it's basically your CV or your bio upside down. And Google takes as most important what's written at the top compared to what's written at the bottom. And on CaliCube Pro, the SaaS platform, we have a natural language processing analysis where we actually ping descriptions into Google and we ask Google what it thinks, what entities it's recognized, what category it puts it in. And we see very clearly that whatever you put at the top is given much more priority than what you're putting at the bottom. 
So you start with, what do I want my audience to see and understand now? And if they really want to know where I was born and where I was brought up and the cows and sheep and the punk, they can read right to the bottom. What happens if you have something like a very common name? That's a huge problem for a lot of people with common names. But in fact, my name is 300 Jason Barnards in the world. It's not as uncommon as you would think. And so there are multiple things going on here, and it's going to be more and more complicated. And I'm looking forward to it because I'm not a masochist, but I love the idea that things are evolving. And we need to try to keep up with this child as it learns, as it gets better. Now, today, 300 Jason Barnards in the world as a footballer in South Africa, an ice hockey player in Canada, a professor in San Francisco, and oh, a podcaster in the UK, and he's pretty good. He does music, Jason Barnard, and he's great. So if you want to listen to a UK podcaster talking to old musicians about their 60s, 70s, 80s careers, he's your man. None of them get a look in. Hmm. And it's not because Google doesn't understand them. It's because it's so confident in its understanding about me that I dominate. I've become what we call the dominant entity. So I can dominate all around the world, even though I'm not necessarily the most famous Jason Barnard in the UK, in Canada, in Australia, or wherever it might be. But that isn't going to last. These are my glory (laughs) years, because over time, (laughs) Google will build up confidence in these other Jason Barnards. And when you're geolocalized, it will start to show the podcaster in the UK and the ice hockey player in Canada. So I'm going to have to start thinking about what strategy I'll use there, let's say in five years' time. So I'm starting that strategy now. I won't share it because I don't quite know what I'm going to do. But Mm -hmm. if you have a really common name, you probably need a rebranding. You need to, for example, John E. Smith immediately narrows down the field. Using a full middle name, John Ewan Smith, even smaller field, John Smith SEO, John Smith Estate Investment, whatever, you need to get something added onto your name that people will associate with it and they will naturally search it. And that's a branding exercise because you have to get people to use that term, use your middle name, use your middle initial, because otherwise you're going to get mixed up with all those other people with the same name. So it's not so much a Google problem because Google's problem is it's ambiguous. It doesn't know which John Smith you mean. So it's going to show you five or six John Smiths because it doesn't know. If it's John E. Smith, then it's going to show you two or three. If it's John Ewan Smith, it's going to show you one because there's only one, let's say. But so from that perspective, you're not going to, unless you're really good, you're not going to become the dominant entity. And even if you do, it's not going to last forever. So I'm working on that strategy. Come back to me in four or five years time and I'll tell you what that strategy is. In the meantime, it's rebranding yourself and making sure that people are searching with a name that's more explicit and less ambiguous. To your point, it's also important for that individual to be using that. Because I I know some people have, they call themselves Johnny Smith in some places, but then they call themselves John Smith or Johnny (laughs) Smith. And <laughs> it's a terrible problem. And you got a big sigh out of me there because <laughs> I, I have clients who come to me and they say, I don't understand. And then I, I, Caddy Q Pro, basically what we do is we, we click a button and in five minutes, it comes up with every reference to you. And you go, and here it's Johnny. Over there, it's John. Over here, it's Jacko. It, over here, you've put John E. Smith. And over here, you've put John Ewan Smith. For Google, that's five or six different people. Hmm. 
Okay, that makes total I mean, sense. John Smith, it's already got a lot. You get these multiplication, sorry, these multipliers, I don't know what you call it, duplicated people. And Google struggles enormously with it. And you'll find, I've got a client who came to me the other day, and he hasn't, he hasn't done that. But there are still three knowledge panels for the same person. Google thinks he's three different people because he's done, he's written a book, he's the boss of a, an agency, and what was the other one? Oh, and he, he owns another business somewhere. And so Google's triggered three knowledge panels for him. And what we're now trying to do, what we're going to do, is merge those knowledge panels and indicate to Google it's the same person. So you can see the kind of problem Google has. It's not only that there are multiple people with the same name, but there's the same person with multiple careers who Google will naturally perceive to be different people. Right. That makes total sense. Massive problem. Sorry. That's such a huge problem. And, and equally, I'm thinking brands have that same. So I'm thinking again, the real estate industry. If I looked up, I'm just going to be at home property management company. There's probably more than one. They, the common names that people come up with companies, they think it's clever or they think, oh, I'm the only one in town. Yeah. But their, yeah, no, their, their challenge is. Yeah, everybody in every other town has thought the same thing. <laughs> no, yeah, a unique brand name is really helpful for that because there isn't ambiguity. With ambiguity, I was talking to Nathan Chalmers, who works at Bing, not at Google, but he was saying when we have ambiguity, we try to cover all the bases, but we always have something that dominates and there's going to be something dominating. And in this case, for me, it's my dominant entity but they need to cover the ambiguity. For companies, it's slightly less problematic than for people because you won't tend to have multiple companies in the same geo region with the same name. Although technically you can have multiple companies with the same name in different industries, which does create ambiguity. But back in the day in SEO, when it was clever to call your company best cars in Toronto, right now that's a a real big problem if you want to actually get that brand set up to look good. And the advantage you get with that keyword filled company name is actually not that much of an advantage anymore. And it soon won't be an advantage at all because Google is basing pretty much everything now on credibility. Are you credible? And do I, sorry, it's credibility. Mm -hmm. And do I understand what solution you're offering and does it match the problem? Right. Sorry. No, that's okay. And does the knowledge panel also rely on something like Google for business? You, yeah, Google My Business, Google Business Profile now called, is a type of knowledge panel. So you will get the Google My Business, Google Business Profile over there on the right, considered factual. But if you think about that, I don't know if you manage one, but some of the information you put in, but some of the information Google's figuring it out for itself. For example, the social profiles, if it adds those in. So if you look at a Google business profile, it's 60% stuff you control, 40% stuff that Google's just added in. So it is knowledge, and it is a kind of knowledge panel, but it's semi-controlled knowledge panel. Whereas the knowledge panel, which is just the facts without the map, the difference is when you don't see the map, it's Google's facts in its knowledge graph. And its knowledge graph is its foundation of understanding. It's the child's understanding of the world. And Google is trying to build the ultimate encyclopedia, as it were. This child will have every fact in its brain. And to give you an idea of the size, Wikipedia has, I think it was 50, 
million articles, and Google has 1,500 billion facts in its brain, and that's wow. growing exponentially. And if you think about from that perspective, Google, in Wikipedia, sorry, Wikipedia has an idea of notability. You can only get in Wikipedia if somebody would spontaneously search for you to find out more about you. Google doesn't have that idea of notability. It just wants to be able to show you the facts when somebody searches for you. And what happens if you have like a charismatic CEO of a company and then you have a really successful company and they run a really successful company? The challenge of those two kind of competing against each other again for the knowledge. Well, but the founder or the boss of the company wouldn't compete with the company directly. They would actually help each other hmm. in the sense that once Google's understood the charismatic boss, you can then say to it, oh, and he runs this company and the child that is Google can make the association and it's really easy for it. And in fact, I, I, I was speaking at a conference with Chester, international mem memory man, and he, he was great. And he was explaining how we remember things and why our memory, the, the idea that when you put something new in your memory, something else disappears out the other side. So it's like that in one ear and out the other idea. And in fact, he's saying that's not the case because what we do is we hook new information onto old information we already know through the relationship. So if I tell you something about French petanque players, you have nothing to hook that onto. So you would struggle to remember the names of the petanque players and the schools and the places they played in these tiny French towns. But if I talk to you about Liverpool Football Club and the players for Liverpool Football Club, you've got loads of things you can hook those that piece of information. So if I told you a new player from Liverpool Football Club that you never heard of, much easier for you to remember. Hmm. So the child works the same way, and the idea, and entities work in groups like that. So it will tend to understand a whole family once it gets to grips with the first member of that family. Gotcha. I love this analogy where you're treating Google like a child because it makes total sense. It does, and it is a child. It's a child that's really struggling to learn and has been given a massive task of learning the whole world in one go. But is, it, but is it incredibly curious because they're trying to find out all the time more information yeah. and the right information. And Google have thrown at this child a mass of information, which is the web, which is totally disorganized. We have the impression that the web's pretty well organized. But one of the reasons we think it's organized is because we search on Google and Google organizes it for us. But actually, everybody's logic is different. Everybody's setting up their websites differently. Most people are doing it very badly. And so it's looking at this total chaos and trying to bring it all together and put the pieces of this puzzle together. I use that as an, an analogy as well, is that it's got these pieces of a broken plate about you, and it's trying to put them together. And what it's looking for with the entity home we were talking about earlier on is the full puzzle put together by the person who owns the plate yourself. So they can go, okay, I got that bit wrong and that bit's right. And the whole thing. And then it can fit its puzzle together in exactly the right way with all these pieces it's found. Fragmented information around the web about you. And it's stunning how fragmented the information is. And when the pieces of the puzzle don't actually fit together because one of the pieces of information is incorrect, of course the child can't put it together. You need to 
reshape the piece of puzzle so that it actually fits into the plate. Mm. A couple of questions I like to ask guests. Do you have a favorite personal brand? Who is it and why? I really like Brian Setzer. His personal brand is that he is a genius musician and yet just, just seems to take it so naturally. For him, it's just something he has and he doesn't seem to make a big deal of it. And he's my hero, so I think it's probably biased. So it's not so much his personal brand, but who he is. And I don't think he's built a personal brand. It's just who he is. So that's cheaty, but I do love it. And if people don't, aren't familiar, Brian Setzer was the lead singer of the Stray Cat still around? Or? Yeah, I don't think they played together anymore. They had a big fight, and then they got back together again. And Lee Rocker and... Slim Jim Phantom went off and created a group and it was awful. Uh, <laughs> Brian Setzer did a solo album and it was awful. Then they played together again. And then Brian Setzer did the Brian Setzer Orchestra doing swing music in the late 90s. And that was so brilliant. And, he's, he, and that's interesting because I didn't really realise it, is that wasn't a thing until he did it. Mm. And his record company wouldn't let him. So he spent all of his own money from the Stray Cats to put out this orchestra, like 50-piece orchestra, and start touring when nobody cared. And then it became a thing. And that's, an, you were saying earlier on, I do things because I really want to. Brian Setz is the same. Interesting. Uh, do you have a favorite business book or podcast? I don't read business books. I really like MarTech, which is Ben Shapiro, as a podcast. That's absolutely brilliant. Yoast has a good podcast as well, but I don't know how long that's going to last. He did it for a year or so, but I think they might have stopped again. And from a book perspective, I read a really great book by Eli Schwartz called Product-Led Product -led SEO, which I really like because it's really saying, what's your product? You need to build your SEO about around what it is you're actually selling. And it is that thing, what is the solution? You need to build your SEO around the solution that you're offering. And my other favorite book is my own, The Fundamentals of Brand Sets for Business, which it, it was interesting because I wrote the book thinking that it wouldn't interest expert SEOs because I wrote it so that it was accessible to any brand manager, any business owner. And it explains my approach, which is saying, it's all about branding and it's all about being understood by Google. And it was, I was terribly touched and humbled, let's say, because some really great SEOs like Marie Haynes, David Ameland said, I read the book and I wish you'd written this five years ago because this is stuff if I'd known it five years ago, it would have been, it would have been really helpful. And they appreciate a book that's actually written for brand managers and business owners. Hmm. Wonderful. But apart from your own tool, is there any new tools or resources that you're enjoying using at the moment? Yeah, I really like WordLift. And you said not my own tool because I just cheated by putting my own book in. <laughs> no, that. that's, no, that's fine. No, um, Word, WordLift have, have got a really, really, really neat concept, which is that your website is a knowledge graph and it sounds really complicated, but all it means is that you need to organize your website in a way that makes sense. And we tend to just throw things onto the website and not really pay attention. But you need to build it as though you were building an information 
encyclopedia about yourself or your business. And they do that within your website incredibly smartly. So this is completely contrary to a lot of marketing gurus who talk right. about website building and how what you need to have on page one and the look and the feel and everything. It's way more important for us to have that entity page versus having yes. a, a lovely looking website that doesn't get you anything. No, 100%. And what, you, what WordLift do is that they will add schema markup and it's terribly geeky. But schema markup is basically you reiterate what is already in the page in Google's native language. Mm. And so with WordLift, what you would do is go through your website and say, this page is the contact us page. This page is talking about this topic. It's aimed at this audience. And what you then do is iterate in a, an explicit manner in Google's native language, exactly what's in the page, who it's for, what it has to offer, so that Google can much more easily make that match between the need of its user, the problem that its user is expressing, and the solution that, that specific page contains. And does the entity page need to be the home page, or could it be any page um, you create? It can be any page on the website. Mm -hmm. Google tends to default to the home page. Makes sense. Uh, and so if it has defaulted to the home page, one trick that I've learned is don't go against the flow of the child. <laughs> keep, keep the child happy. Right. Uh, and a few years down the line, maybe we'll be able to change its mind. I've done it a couple of times, but it's quite difficult. Uh, because the, the child, once it's understood, you don't want to rock the boat too much. But obviously, the homepage, if you have your entity home on the homepage and you're being a little bit factual about who you are, what you're doing, who your audience is, then that's not ideal because the homepage should really be presenting your products to your audience. So it's better you should really have a dedicated About Us page. And if you don't have one, create one today that explains who you are, what you're doing, who you are, and this is in a factual manner that can still be pleasant to read and it can still be salesy and convincing, but it needs to be understandable by a machine. And that machine understands good grammar. It doesn't understand poetry. It doesn't understand humor. It doesn't have very much culture. It doesn't know what irony is. Stick to the facts, but you can still make it interesting. You can still make it palatable and exciting for your users. So start with that, and hopefully Google will grab hold of that page, especially if you build it as an entity home that points out to these corroborative sources and they point back to it. If Google's already defaulted to your homepage, create the about page anyway, because Google may well move over there of its own accord once it understands. Hmm. Okay. Is that kind of a first, you talked about spring cleaning earlier. If you were to give the audience, okay, if you agree this is the, the direction you want to go, what are the first one, two, three things that people should really focus on doing? Right. Number one, your own website, sort that out. Sort it out so that it makes sense, it's well organized, you explain things clearly, and you don't use that poetic, sardonic, ironic, humorous language that you like so much. Obviously, you can, but don't overdo it. Make sure that the facts are there. Especially look at your homepage, because that's what ranks right at the top of your brand, sir. Number two, sort out your social accounts. Number three, go around all the other sources that talk about you and correct all the information so that the broken pieces of plate actually fit together when the child gets its hands on them. 
I like that analogy as well, the broken plate, <laughs> which would happen if you upset the child because they'll throw the plate. Yeah, on, yeah, I've got, I've got a child running around the world with pieces of broken plate, which sounds very dangerous all of a sudden. <laughs> and do you have a favourite quote? If I'd had more time, I would have written less, which is supposedly what Mark Twain said. The other one, and I had a few problems back in the day, was look at what you can change and do your best to change it. Look at what you can't change and learn to accept it. I like it. And that's Confucius. It makes me sound terribly intelligent. <laughs> How can people find out more about you, Jason, more about your company and the products? Oh, but most people can guess what I'm going to say right at this moment. <laughs> you search my name on Google. And then the Google business card gives you the choice of how you want to interact with me. That's what I like about the Google business card. So you search my name and you think, I'm interested in Jason Barnard as a human being. Click on the first link, my website. I want to do business with this guy. Click on the second link, kellycube.com. I want to interact with him on Twitter. Go to my Twitter account, which is third. I want to take Jason Barnard's courses, kellycube.academy. That will be up there. I want to buy his book. That will be up there as well. I want to read his articles for free. Search engine, journal, search engine, lander there. I want to listen to his podcast. The podcast box is there. It's up to you to decide how you want to interact with me. I love that. I love that. I, I, we could talk for forever. Hours. I think, about hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, Jason. Thank you for imparting your wisdom and insights and giving people a a flavor for the importance. Ed, you've given me a completely new appreciation of what I should be doing Brilliant. online mm. and with Google. I think, I think it's phenomenal. Thank you and have a brandtastic day. Oh, thank you so much. That was absolutely delightful. I enjoyed it a great deal and uh, I'm really happy you enjoyed it too. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, that was great. Uh, oh, gosh, you're a wealth of information. 